Thank you for listening to the Murdoch Murders podcast, the show that started it all. These 93 episodes will take you on a journey of twists and turns, ups and downs, tears and belly laughs. In this first podcast, we expose the truth wherever it leads, give voice to victims, and get the story straight. We continue this mission with our newest evolution, True Sunlight. Luna Shark's True Sunlight podcast is the antithesis of true crime. True Sunlight values accuracy over access journalism. True Sunlight is shed with empathy, not exploitation. True Sunlight is the intersection of journalism, true crime, and systemic corruption. We continue to shed light on Stephen Smith's case and Alex Murdoch's co-conspirators. But also, we like to take deep dives into other cases around the country. True Sunlight empowers listeners to understand their legal and judicial systems with our unique brand of pesky journalism. Listen to True Sunlight wherever you get your podcast, or visit truesunlight.com to learn more. I don't know if anyone killed Hakeem Pinckney, but I'm at a loss for words after hearing what Alec Murdoch and his co-conspirators allegedly did to this man's family after he died. What I'm seeing looks like the Satterfield scheme, but years earlier. And this time, it was done to the family of a deaf quadriplegic man. My name is Mandy Matney. I've been investigating the Murdoch family for almost three years now, and this is the Murdoch Murders Podcast with David Moses and Liz Farrell. So for starters, some breaking news. Judge Allison Lee denied Alec Murdoch's attorney's motion to reduce his bond on Tuesday. Alec Murdoch's bond stays at $7 million without the option to pay 10% of that. We need to talk about Hakeem Pinckney. Out of all of the Murdoch stories that have come to light recently, this one hit me the hardest. As attorney Justin Bamberg showed me a paper trail of evidence that appeared to indicate that Corey Fleming, Palmetto State Bank, and Alec Murdoch stole from Akeem's family, I got really sad and taken aback. Who steals from a deaf, quadriplegic man's family? And just how evil are these people? Hakeem Pinckney was an inspiration. He spent his whole life overcoming the odds. He just was very energetic, very determined, very smart, intelligent, very bright, easy to catch on to anything. That's his mother, Miss Pamela, who was kind enough to talk to us about her bright and beloved son, Hakeem. At the age of three years old, um, we discovered that he had a severe, profound hearing loss. And at the age of three, he went to the audiologist and got testing and stuff done and they determined that he had profound hearing loss. But his hearing disability never got him down. He never was the type of child that would complain about anything. He would just, you know, just accept whatever comes his way and just deal with it. 
In middle school, his mother made the tough decision to send him to the South Carolina School for the Deaf and Blind in Spartanburg, which is several hours away from where he lived in the Low Country. Debbie Dossie Davis, his teacher of 10 years, told me that she remembers talking with Pamela when Hakeem was in middle school and telling her that he would thrive in that environment. Oh my gosh, he was just, and he was so much fun. You know, always laughing and all the kids just, you know, they, they just loved being around each other, I think, too. And then when he got to the school for the deaf, it was just so many more deaf kids. And it just helped his language, his ambitions, you know, sports. He couldn't have excelled here in the public school setting with so few deaf kids. And he did. His senior year, he won the National Deaf Football Championship and was recognized by the South Carolina State Senate. Hakeem loved sports, especially football. And that national championship was one of the proudest moments of his life. But soon after he graduated high school, Pamela Pinckney, her son Hakeem, and two other family members were in a horrific car accident that left them with serious injuries. However, for Hakeem, the injuries would leave him paralyzed and fighting for his life on a ventilator. He was conscious and could communicate, but was reliant on machines to keep him alive. Here is attorney Justin Bamberg, who is representing at least eight victims, including the Pinckney family. So back in August of 2019, Hakeem's mother, Pamela, was driving. Hakeem was in the car. His sister was in the car and his cousin was in the car and everything was just a normal day. And then there was a tire tread separation on one of the tires that led to the car flipping over and and hitting some trees. And at that point, that's when life completely changed. And everybody was extremely hurt. Um, It was a very, very bad accident. And unfortunately, Hakeem suffered a a very, very bad spinal cord injury that resulted in him uh, becoming a quadriplegic. So he was unable to move anything from the neck down, couldn't breathe on his own. So he ended up having to be on a ventilator. Uh, And he he was in a very, very, very bad spot. Hakeem was with his mother, sister, and a friend, and they were all injured badly, including Pamela, who was permanently injured in the crash. Pamela, one of her legs was pretty much destroyed, severe back injuries. It was one of those things, whenever there's a, a rollover, car wreck involving a rollover, you know, even if you have your seatbelt on, you're getting thrown around. Uh, and then when you impact the tree at a high rate of speed, it's just very jarring. So you're talking about broken bones, uh, you're talking about lingering effects, surgeries, things of that nature. So it was all in all, everybody was left completely different than they were before that accident happened. In 2010, Murdoch began representing multiple passengers in the accident, including Hakeem, who was still alive at the time he hired Murdoch. Representation started relatively quickly. You know, this isn't a situation where, like, anybody was super close with Alec or anything like that. I think there was a there was a referral, like, hey, you might want to talk to Alec Murdoch. He ends up going and, you know, meeting with Miss Pamela and everything like that, and then they kind of got things going. 
Alec then sent Miss Pamela to Corey Fleming. And Corey then began representing Pamela since she was the driver of the car. You know, technically speaking, passengers in the vehicle could make a claim against the driver. Uh, so it's not uncommon to see the cases separated out. Yeah, Miss Pamela was sent to Corey Fleming. Corey started representing her, uh, and then Alec represented everybody else in the car. Corey Fleming's name should sound familiar to those following this podcast. So Corey Fleming is Buster Murdoch's godfather and Alec's best friend, or maybe he's his former best friend. Real quick, though, I want to share this with you first just to show you how small the Murdoch circles are here in the low country and to give you a bit of a look at how different Corey's world looked before his bestie decided to fake a roadside murder in September. This past August, Mandy and I sat Corey with his wife and a member of the 14th Circuit Solicitor's Office at the outdoor bar of a popular seafood restaurant on Hilton Head Island. We were hanging out with a friend of ours in law enforcement who knew Corey. Mandy and I were sort of looking over at Corey, and our friend was like, hey, you two meddling kids, leave my boy Corey alone. At that point, Mandy and I already knew that Corey was potentially involved in some nonsense regarding the Satterfield case. We just didn't know how bad it actually was. Anyway, it's amazing to both of us looking back how relaxed Corey seemed and how much fun he appeared to be having, given what we know now. And here's what we know. Corey seems to be the guy that Alec liked to send his alleged victims to when he himself couldn't represent the person. So the Satterfield family, Connor Cook, who felt like the Murdochs were setting him up for the boat crash. And now, as we see here, Hakeem Pinckney's mom. So Alec Murdoch and PMPED attorney Ronnie Crosby sued Michelin North America, the tire company, in a huge lawsuit that was filed in April of 2010 on behalf of Hakeem's family. But Corey Fleming was representing Pamela, Hakeem's mother, who was driving. Then, Alec allegedly convinced Pamela Pinckney that she needed a banker to handle the financials of the lawsuit which is when they appointed Russell Lafitte, CEO of Palmetto State Bank, as a conservator over Hakeem Pinckney's case. Again, this should sound familiar. In the Satterfield settlement, Murdoch allegedly convinced the Satterfields that they should appoint another Palmetto State Bank employee to handle the money which was ultimately stolen. However, in the Pinckney case, it appears the Palmetto State Bank was more involved than they were in the Satterfield case. In order to understand, in part, why what went down is so problematic, you first have to understand what a conservator is. And in a situation where, let's say, somebody like Hakeem, right, they're, they're effectively incapacitated. They can't manage their own financial affairs and things like that, you have to have a conservator. Somebody has to be over the money. Somebody has to uh, be the person to step in and effectively be Hakeem for Hakeem. So when they pick Russell Lafitte, right, an experienced banker, uh, he's not just, you know, a, a regular employee of the bank. He is an employee of the bank, but he's not just any employee. He's in upper management. He helps look at policies. He helps look at procedures. He oversees people who deal with loans and things like that, right? And, and collecting interest from people that the bank loans money to. So when, when you see Russell Lafitte become conservator, you should be able to feel comfortable. Like, oh, I've got a good conservator. I mean, Palmetto State Bank is a successful bank. They've been around for four or five generations. 
I'm going to be adequately protected here. And then it doesn't happen, right? And A, a $60,000 conservative fee, you know, which which part of this that, that doesn't make sense to me and is a red flag and the bank has to answer for is even if you were going to pay a conservative fee, why was it not payable to Russell Lafitte as conservator for Hakeem Pinckney or a PR fee, Russell Lafitte as PR for the estate of Hakeem Pinckney? That's not what happened. The $60,000 conservator fee was one of many red flags that Justin Bamberg discovered while looking into the Pinckney files. According to court documents, Hakeem's lawsuit against the tire company settled on October 7, 2011, and it was a big settlement. But just four days later, Hakeem died on October 11, 2011. You know, and, I, and I'm still, still investigating things. But apparently, after this wreck, obviously, Hakeem was quadriplegic. He was on a ventilator. Um, and at a certain point when you're in the hospital and you're effectively stable, you can't just stay in the hospital, right? Um, ICU beds, things like that, those those trauma units are needed for ongoing things, people who, who get hurt and you need to save their life. So at some point, he stabilized enough to be able to be transported to a nursing home. And he ends up at Unihel, North Augusta, uh, which is now Pruitt Health, North Augusta. And this is a sad man. Miss um, Pamela ends up, you know, getting a call that something happened with Hakeem and everything like that. And, you know, she's talking with the doctors at the hospital because now at this point, Hakeem is in the hospital. He's not at the nursing home. And it's like, what happened? You know, and the hospital tells her that apparently well, Hakeem's ventilator somehow got unplugged and it was at least 30 minutes before anybody found out. So we have to pause and think about this for a second. Hakeem was in a long-term care facility, Pruitt Health, North Augusta, South Carolina, for almost two years. And suddenly, right after his lawsuit was settled that made Alec Murdoch and his buddies plenty of money legitimately, his ventilator was unplugged according to court records. This makes it even more crushing for Miss Pamela, and even pursuing pursuing this stuff, you know, like that is a strong. She is a strong woman because you know, even me doing my job, I have to talk to her about certain stuff, and I know it's not easy for her to relive these moments, the saddest parts of her life. But when Hakeem dies in that fashion, this is how much Miss Pamela trusted Alec Murdoch so much that she hired him to represent her in the case against the nursing home over the death of Hakeem and had no idea that he was stealing from her in the process. It's, it's freaking disgusting. Are you hearing this? Alec Murdoch, the man who was at the center of several other death investigations, ended up benefiting from Hakeem's mysterious death. We hope that it is a coincidence how Hakeem died four days after the personal injury settlement. But we are looking into his death because there have been so few coincidences in this entire saga over the last three years. But there are a few details available about Hakeem's death. What we know is that Hakeem's ventilator was unplugged at Pruitt Health, North Augusta, 
which is also known as UniHealth Post-Acute Care, a long-term care facility that has been sued many times for not meeting an adequate standard of care. According to an affidavit signed by a nurse practitioner who reviewed medical records in the case, the type of ventilator Hakeem was on should have sounded off alarms to notify nursing staff that he was not receiving oxygen. The nurse practitioner testified that the nursing staff at Pruitt Health North Augusta deviated from standard of care. In 2014, a lawsuit was filed by attorney Lee Cope, a lawyer at PMPED. However, just like the Gloria Satterfield settlement, employees from Ellick's office filed several pieces of important paperwork in the lawsuit. Justin is still investigating Hakeem's death and death settlement. We don't know whether or not money was stolen there. And they do sue the nursing home. And there, there is a settlement, a wrongful death settlement over that. Um, and I'm still waiting to get all the paperwork. I'm looking into that. I want to make I want to make sure that these people get everything that they're supposed to get. You know, Miss Pamela. You know, the memory of Hakeem. Everybody tied to that one case. But all my clients. You know, Mr. Bush, Mr. Anderson. Everybody. Everything's got to get looked at. Everything's got. I don't care if it's five dollars. If somebody made a five dollar error on a piece of paperwork, I want that five dollars back for these people. Remember, none of the people who Ellick stole from knew about it at the time because of the way lawsuit payments are typically set up. Lawyers are in a position of trust and have a duty to make decisions that are in their client's best interest. Part of that means maximizing the financial outcome while also protecting their client's assets moving forward. So structuring a settlement is a way to do that. When a settlement is structured, the money doesn't go to the law firm, and that's been the giveaway in a lot of Ellick's cases because that's where the money seemed to go. In normal circumstances, the settlement money is instead sent directly from the insurance companies to a broker who purchases a life insurance policy that pays the client an annuity. And we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So many dominoes had to fall in order for Justin Bamberg to get the truth about Hakeem's case. Fast forward, you know, we're talking about the wreck happened in 2009. In 2011, actually October 11th of 2011, that's when Hakeem passed away. And there was also a settlement in the underlying tire case uh, that year. You get 2012, boom, 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 so on. Obviously, then everything starts coming out. Attorney Eric Bland and his team uh, are exposing certain stuff with regards to what went on with Satterfield. You know, PMPED, uh, Sue's Alec, you know, all of this is transpiring. And now everybody's looking back in time, so to speak. These indictments come down. Uh, eventually, you know, Ms. Pamela uh, gets called in to the firm. You know, PMPED calls her in. You know, to their credit, right, you got to give credit where credit is due. To their credit, they do inform her, and they're straight up with her, you know, that there was a, a check that raised a red flag. Uh, that would be the $89,000 check that was written from Corey Fleming's firm, 
from their trust account payable to PMPED, or that went to Alex, I guess, into the trust account at the firm with Palmetto State Bank, and then a check was written from the trust account at the firm payable to Forge and ended up in those Forge accounts. Um, but as they were, were digging through the file, they also saw some other stuff. She was made aware that uh, it was $309,000 and some change that apparently she was supposed to get, but nobody knew where the money went. In total, Justin said that he's found that Ellick and his co-conspirators stole around a million dollars from Hakeem's family. Justin told me that Pamela Pinckney only went to him for help because of a conversation she had with a PMPED attorney about Palmetto State Bank. And I, I think the kicker here, um, and obviously there's there's certain things that I can't talk about because of, you know, attorney-client conversations, things of that nature, but obviously we're in a situation where uh, Ms. Pinckney and her family, they, they need to be reimbursed. They need to receive all the money that they were supposed to get a decade ago. Someone, Mandy, someone had a conversation with the president of Palmetto State Bank about the, the need for these people to be reimbursed and that, you know, the bank needed to contribute to the pot. The bank stance was that they were, they were going to look at it. As I understand it, they were going to look at everything and, uh, look at contributing to the reimbursement pot, but they wanted a release signed. And this was relayed to the folks on my end. You know, now the, the person who was relaying this information did make it clear, you know, hey, the bank, they want a release. You don't have to sign it, but they do want one. And that really made this, made the family nervous. Like, why do I need to sign a release or anything like that to get my own money back? And then now we're here. Lawyers have told us that these release forms likely wouldn't hold up in court. So the question is, why do them? I think what's happening here is called conflict avoidance. It's kind of like here on Hilton Head. There are signs on the beach that say no drinking, but that rule is rarely enforced. The signs are effective, though, because the vast majority of people obey the law. So in this case, with the bank, it seems like they were betting that people would sign these documents and never think of suing them. When I heard about, you know, hey, the, the bank's looking at contributing, but they want to release, yada, 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 I'm like, that's, that's a no-fly zone. You know, not only does the bank not have the right to ask for anything for contributing to giving these people their money back, for the bank to even mention the idea of someone having to sign away their rights in order to get their own money back is it's just indicative of what we see. That's how I view it. It's indicative of what we see, which is some shadiness that went down, you know, and that's on the bank. You know, the uh, firm, PMPED, they didn't ask for the release. You know, it was just brought up like the bank wants one. But this would have all have transpired, I believe, during December so in December, we dropped our first episode on PMPD and how they were allegedly mistreating Alec Murdoch's victims and not handling those cases appropriately. Justin Bamberg, who is representing eight victims in this case, said that the firm attempted to take legal fees on cases where money was stolen and offered victims less money than what was owed to them. 
After that episode aired, Fitz News first reported that in the final two days of 2021, attorneys at PMPED did something rather strange. Seemingly all at once, a group of them registered a litany of new businesses with the South Carolina Secretary of State's office. Eight attorneys, including Ellick's brother Randy, created professional corporations in their own names. And one of those attorneys, Danny Henderson, a longtime member of the firm, submitted paperwork to create Parker Law Group LLP, listing himself as the registered agent. Parker is the last name of one of the firm's most feared, powerful, and wealthiest partners, Johnny Parker. It still isn't fully clear what is happening here, but it's likely the first step into a future without the Murdoch name overtly attached to the firm. Some have speculated that it's an attempt for the firm to move their assets away from the alleged victims, but all the new quote-unquote businesses are registered to the same Mulberry Street address where the PMPED offices are located, which means that if they're trying to say, PMPED who? Never heard of them. We're the Parker Law Group. These are our gold coins. It's not going to work at least not according to what we're being told. Another theory here is that the PMPED attorneys are setting up separate legal entities in their own names so that moving forward, they will not be responsible for each other's malpractice claims, like now. In this case, it sounds like PMPED attorneys weren't handling the situation as they should have, which is how Justin got involved. So what happens is... Ms. Pamela receives a copy of some documents from MKF, Corey Fleming's firm. So I start looking through everything. And, you know, sometimes going through paperwork and checks and numbers is kind of dizzying, especially when you, like, you know something was missing, but you're trying to recreate and figure out, like, all right, exactly what happened, okay? And one of the first things that I saw was... And looking at Corey Fleming's disbursement sheet, I'm like, why is there an $89,000 check being written in 2017 when the money was received in 2011? You know, and that itself was a red flag. But then my question was, well, hell, if this is Miss Pamela's money and Corey was Miss Pamela's lawyer, why didn't why didn't he just call her in and then give her? for $89,000. Why was this even made payable to PMPED in the first place? And why was it sent to Alec? Like, obviously, if Corey never sends that check to Alec, that money never disappears. So it just didn't make any sense. In looking at uh, everything, there were pretty substantial legal fees earned on Corey's side in that case. Um, But I also saw there was a $150,000 check made payable to PMPED, you know, presumptively also given to Alec, that didn't really make sense to me, you know what I mean? Because if Corey Fleming was representing Pamela and Corey Fleming's law firm earned X amount in legal fees, none of that legal fee money, and I don't I don't know that this is the case, I don't know why there was a $150,000 payment, but if it was some sort of hey, Alec, thanks for sending this case and we made all this money. Here's 150 grand for your troubles. I don't know, but it shouldn't shouldn't be happening. And if it is, all of that needs to be explained to the client, right? And obviously it wasn't. So that's kind of how it starts. Well, then I go through, you know, we, we start looking at some other documents. Justin had a light bulb moment when he found out that Russell Lafitte 
The bank CEO himself was the conservator in this case. So obviously, I'm looking for checks. I know that there was money paid to him as conservator. For example, you know, you see on the disbursement sheet a sixty thousand dollar payment for a conservator fee, quote unquote. So I'm looking for a check payable to Russell Lafitte as conservator for the estate of Joaquin Pinkney, but I don't find that. What I do find is a $60,000 check written on PMPED's client trust account at Palmetto State Bank, payable directly to the order of Palmetto State Bank. And I'm like, we've got a problem here. So then I go and I'm looking and I say, okay, here's a sheet says client fund disbursement, Hakeem Cash. So I'm looking for a check made payable to the estate of Hakeem Pinkney or payable to Pamela Pinkney or something like that. And I don't see that either. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and then boom, it's right there. It's a $309,000 check written after Hakeem had already died, payable directly to Palmetto State Bank. And it makes no sense whatsoever because when that check was written, and when that check was cashed, Hakeem had died months before that. That is a big deal. That check, in itself, puts Palmetto State Bank on the hook for this mess. Another light bulb went off in Justin's head. This whole thing sounds exactly like the Gloria Satterfield settlement with Alec Murdoch, Corey Fleming, and Palmetto State Bank. So there would be zero reason to take that and put it into some account at Palmetto State Bank because that money now has to go to his mama. She never got it. You know, Mandy, and, and I think what, what we saw and what Eric uncovered in the Satterfield case was, you know, Chad Wessendorf, the vice president of the bank, got approval from Russell Lafitte to get involved in the Satterfield case and to be the PR. And there was a PR fee that was paid, but that, I believe, was paid directly to Chad Wessendorf, like as a person. Well, 10 years before, what we're seeing with the Pinckney case is this money was paid directly to Palmetto State Bank. And they're in the middle of this. And at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're going to have to answer for, for this. Justin said from everything he's seeing, this appears to be a pattern. It, there, there's definitely a pattern, and you know it makes me wonder. All right, checks made payable to Palmetto State Bank, Russell Lafitte, the PR, the conservator, and then at some point, Alex starts using Forge, these accounts he created with Palmetto State Bank, and why did he switch? Like what, what led to him creating those fake accounts? Justin Bamberg was horrified when he made this discovery. You know, it's, um, so pr prior to actually looking at any documents, I want to get to, you know, get to know Hakeem's story, Miss Pamela, what she went through, you know, what the process was like, how, how she feels, you know, who is your son? Um, and, you know, obviously I go and, and I see certain things that really made me happy to see, you know, for example, like the idea that Hakeem lost his ability to hear and he overcame in life and ended up winning a national championship in football. Yeah, it's awesome. I see that. I see that 
the South Carolina Senate honor the, the South Carolina School for the, the Deaf and Blind and, and the football team that Hakeem played on the year before the Red. I see that and I'm like, that's dope. And then when I see what was done to him by a people who owed him a duty to, in the worst the worst time of his, his life, the worst time of his mom's life, I see that he gets stolen from and it's Alec Murdoch, you know, whose family has been wealthy for four or five generations. And then I see that that a bank worth $700 million is getting money that was supposed to go to him and that the president of the bank, who's supposed to be protecting this man, is like not doing his job. Like, it made me really sad. Something else struck me as a part of this pattern which resembles the Satterfield settlement, missing documents. The order approving Hakeem's wrongful death settlement was filed last week on January 13th, 2022. But that order was signed by a judge in 2016. Why did they suddenly file something after Hakeem's story came to light in the media? Oh, and another similarity to the Satterfield case. Even after a wrongful death case settled, the family still has no answers. Everybody want to know, but we just haven't had that answer yet. Up until this day, they haven't never really told me what happened to my son. Only thing they told me is um, his son took a turn for the worse. That's all they told me. They never told me exactly what happened. Now remember, a lot of people file lawsuits for reasons other than money. A lot of times, people file lawsuits to get answers and accountability. Think about it. Lawyers have the power to subpoena for documents and camera footage and they can depose people and get answers where regular citizens and journalists just can't. Ms. Pamela said what so many grieving parents have told me after they filed wrongful death lawsuits. It's not about the money. Like I told the facility, I'm like, you know, this little money that y'all giving me, it doesn't mean nothing compared to my child. Because if I could have anything in this world, y'all could keep y'all money and I could keep my child. When I asked Ms. Pamela if she wanted an investigation into Hakeem's death, she didn't hesitate to say yes. She wants to know how this happened. She wants to know who was on duty she wants to know if the alarm went off on his ventilator, did somebody mindfully ignore it? What happened? Let's pause here for a moment and think about the mess that Alec has created, whether he is guilty or not. Pamela Pinckney, a mom who was behind the wheel when the wreck occurred, a wreck that left her son with no ability to move or even breathe on his own, who then later died as a result of negligence or worse, has had 10 years to grieve and heal and navigate her pain. Then all of a sudden gets yanked back in time through no fault of her own. Because Alec allegedly did what he did, so many victims are now having to face the fact that they were taken advantage of. And so many victims like Pamela are having to relive and think about what is likely the worst time of their lives. This isn't just about the money that was allegedly stolen. It's about the emotional terrorism that Alec's alleged misdeeds have caused. In the last month, Miss Pamela has had to deal with another stage of grief she never anticipated. Betrayal. I mean, to totally be honest about it, the way I feel is like, I just got the news that my son just passed away and 
and I'm just going through the motion all over again. That's just how deep the pain is, but it's it's two times harder because I'm going through it on a second second phase again. You know, I never thought I would have to relive this again. I thought I could just put my past behind me and press forward and move on with my life. But it's just so complicated to know that you put your trust and your emphasis in someone that says they have your best interest, look you in your face, tell you and your entire family that you have our best interest. We don't have anything to worry about. You got us 100%. And then you go and you, you steal from us. Even though you got paid through legal fees and all this to work the case, you turn around and you steal on top of that from the family. And my son is deceased. That really, it, it tears me apart little every day. And what really tears both Justin and I apart is that it took so much for Miss Pamela to find out the truth about her attorney, Alec Murdoch, and what really happened with their money. It made me feel really bad to, to see that, you know, and, and, and it made me wonder, like, what if you hadn't been covering all of this for all this time? What if Eric hadn't fought for the Satterfields the way that he did, right? What if no one ever found out what if no one ever found out, you know, and you think about how Hakeem passed away, you know, and the ventilator being unplugged and, and all of that. And it's like, damn, like, could that money have made a difference? I, I, I don't know. You'll never know. But the fact that these people had lived through some very trying times, they never gave up. Hakeem never, until he took his last breath, this young man never gave up, and his mom never gave up. You're supposed to have a lawyer fighting for you that never gives up, and you're supposed to have a conservator and a PR fighting for you that never gives up. And it looks like the bank and Alec Murdoch and Russell Lafitte in that instance were fighting for themselves, not him. You know, so initially, yeah, Mandy, it was almost tearing up over sadness. And then it, like a switch flipped, and I got angry. And we'll be right back. When you look at this case in its entirety, it's truly disgusting behavior. It's rich people who have had all the privilege and power they could ever need stealing from vulnerable people who desperately needed that money. Miss Pamela told me that Hakeem's condition was actually improving around the time he died. She had plans to bring him home, and as a kid who never complained, she knew her son hated that facility. Yes, at one point, they was weaning him off the vent. He got off the vent, and he'd been off the vent for like a couple of hours a day. He was doing good. Every detail of this story is gut-wrenching, and the wreckage goes far beyond a financial crime. Just think about it, right? Like, Hakeem dies on October 11th of 2011, okay? These checks that were payable to Palmetto State Bank were written after that. Everybody knew he died a horrible death. Can you imagine... Being Hakeem, and this is what makes me angry 
Can you imagine being Hakeem and your ventilator is unplugged and you're sitting there and you can't talk and you can't move and you can't hear, but you're suffocating? It gets me so upset to think about and put myself like put myself in his body in that moment. And then to know that his mom has to think about that too. And then you steal her money, you know, and then in 2017 you've got more money that's supposed to go to her. Not that money fixes any of this, right? Money doesn't fix any of it. These people, she would rather have her son than have a penny of, of money, right? All these people who went through these horrible, horrible accidents and got hurt and yeah, I had to have my back fused. I'd rather have a good back than have money. You see what I'm saying? And, and in this situation, Mandy, she has to come to grips with the fact that my son will never be the same. And now my son is gone and all I can get is money. And she's got to come to grips with that. I've done wrongful death cases, right? And it is hard as the lawyer to talk to the client about the value of life in terms of settling a case or in terms of, of a defendant paying money like it actually makes things better. It doesn't make things better. It's the system that we have, right? It's our only option. For Corey Fleming, Alec, Palmetto State Bank, to know all of this and not do things the right way to give them every penny of what they're supposed to get. It is infuriating. It is disgusting. It It is heartbreaking. It's cold. It's callous. Like, people forget that at the end of the day, right, and I don't, you know, people believe different things. Me personally, I'm a Christian. I have strong beliefs in that regard, and I try to live my life a certain way. Every knee shall bow at the end of the day, and it feels like people ain't thinking about that. You know, thou shalt not kill, you know, don't steal. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. And even if you don't believe in anything, you still want to be a decent person, you know, and if you would steal money from somebody in Hakeem's position, what wouldn't you do? That's what I've been thinking about. What wouldn't you do? Because that's cold. That, that is that is cold as hell to do that. At the end of the day, Miss Pamela wants the world to remember her son, Hakeem Pinkney, for the strong, inspiring man he was before his life was suddenly taken. Um, the impact that he um, put on people's lives meaning that there's no limitation on whatever kind of disability that you may have in life, that the sky is the limit. You can do whatever you want to do. You just put your mind to it. Miss Pamela misses her son every single day. I just miss him being here, his presence. I just miss him just being here to help do things. I mean, because if he sees someone doing something and he can do it, he'll tell you, stop, let me do it. And you sit down, I, I got this. That was the type of kid he always was. While the story makes most of us, myself included, filled with rage and anger, Miss Pamela, amazingly, has no room for hate in her heart. 
But, you know, one thing that I want to say is that my heart is pure. My conscience is clear. I don't have any grudges. I don't hate Alex Murdoch. I forgive him because the Christian walk that I have in my life, and I'm I'm a God-fearing woman, so if I love God, I have to forgive him, and I forgive him for everything that he's, he has caused me and my family to go through physically, mentally, emotionally. I have forgiven him, but I can never forget this. According to our sources, we expect charges to be filed against Ellick in the Hakeem Pinkney case sometime soon. On the civil side of the law, Bamberg is still weighing options before filing lawsuits in the case. And I expect the Pinkney family to get reimbursed for the money that was taken. If, so, if someone bucks and doesn't want to uh, do what has to be done, then yeah, we'll sue them and we're going to let... Hampton County and the citizens living there, the 12 that end up on the jury, we'll let them hold them accountable. And I think that is one of the scariest things. If, if I'm on the other side, that's one of the scariest things. Do you want to be a bank or a lawyer or a firm who, you know, the Murdoch family, the Lepete family, right? They've been in power and been wealthy for five generations. Like back when most of the people who live in Hampton or Bamberg County, like, couldn't even go to schools that had good textbooks or, you know, you couldn't you couldn't get a loan to build something. You didn't have access to any of that because you were a minority, right? Or because you were you were uh, deemed to be a lower class white person, right? You don't want to be sitting in the defendant chair letting twelve people who know history determine how much they need to award to punish you and to deter other people from doing what what the, the defendant did. But again, to each his own. We're open, me and my clients, there are open lines of communication and you know I think that some folks will do the right thing here. Um, but if somebody doesn't, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. Also relevant right now, we're hearing from sources that Ellick's co-conspirators will be indicted soon, too. Will we see Corey Fleming and Russell Lafitte in handcuffs? Corey had his law license suspended this past fall and was fired by his law firm after he was exposed in the media. And earlier this month, Russell Lafitte was suspended by the bank's board of directors, then fired a few days later. Another question we have, at what point do the feds start filing charges? Surely they're going to play some role. Now there is so much more related to Hakeem's story that we can't fit into one episode. And much of the story has yet to come out. And it's not just another case and a long list of crimes associated with the saga. Each of the victims matter. And we planned to share Hakeem and Pamela's story until each layer is peeled back and justice is delivered. Stay tuned. The Murdoch Murders Podcast is created by me, Mandy Matney, and my fiancé, David Moses. Our executive editor is Liz Farrell. Produced by Luna Shark Productions.